it all starts with a commitment for financial leadership. That's what I teach. That's what I encourage. That's what I mentor in my mentees. That's what I do in my real estate consulting practice is financial leadership. That is your first commitment. I told you, told you my milestone story back at the beginning when I chose to be a professional real estate investor because I was choosing my financial leadership in my world. I wasn't going to wait for an excuse for somebody else to say, hey, it's okay with me if you earn enough money. No, I'm going to earn enough money. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to apply my, I'm going to be determined and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to apply myself and I can gain financial leadership having nothing to do with the money I'm starting with, having to do with the commitment that I choose to have financial choices in my life. And I'm not gonna let somebody else define it. I'm not gonna let my credit card define it. And I'm not gonna let my house payment define it. I'm not gonna let that Starbucks coffee take away my financial freedom. And I'm not gonna be afraid to be joyful. So financial freedom is first. Then comes education and networking. The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. Uh, this is Ben Malik coming to you from New Orleans, and we got Christina Suter. Where are you coming from? Los Angeles, Pasadena. Awesome. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Christina onto our episode today because she leads the Live a Rich Life Real Estate Workshop and is the host of the Real Estate Breakthrough Podcast, where she helps investors live a, li- live a life to the fullest by simplifying the real estate investing process. Christina has purchased over $40 million of real estate over the last 30 years, as one of the authors of You Got This, a book on real estate investing success. And she was recently a speaker at the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference, which is where we met. So um, Christina, can you give a little bit more about your background and then tell us about your first milestone in real estate? Sure. I actually have two milestones. Can I tell you about two? Of course. <laughs> okay. So I'm a real estate investor. I've been a real estate investor since I was 17. That's my first milestone was my first investment. Um, and I started in residential. I've owned residential all my life. Um, it, or I've been investing in residential all my life. So I started in residential. I've started with a single family. I moved into a couple single families. I then bought a home my mom lived in. That one tripled in value. And so when I sold that one, I went, oh man, what am I going to do? Like I actually had gained so much equity in real estate that I was basically holding a job and getting my bachelor's in business and a teacher's credential and going back for a master's in psychology. Like I was sharing with Ben earlier about like, yeah, it took me a while to figure out where I was going to land. So I have like a couple different degrees. But the point is, is that, um, that I was investing in real estate while I had a job, marketing, childcare, um, receptionist, right? Um, and then it grew to the point where I went, oh man, like I have so much equity over here in my real estate portfolio. I really need to become serious and intentional about it. And so that's my second milestone. And so I ended up moving into apartment buildings. And then from there, I invested in state, out of state, 
almost all residential, single family condos, condo, uh, condo hotels, condo hotels, uh, land. Um, uh, let's see, I was doing value add flips, both in state, I had one out of state and I was owning multi-units in Knoxville, Tennessee, Los Angeles. I owned in Hawaii, Virginia, Texas. So at the height of me owning doors, I own 50 doors of my own and 300 doors I shared with other people. And then I got married in 2006 and I was trying to get pregnant. And then if anybody knows real estate, you know, in 2007, eight and nine, that was a real <clears throat> pain in the backside. And so I sold every door I had, the whole portfolio, sold the whole thing, making money or not, in progress or not, uh, took my losses as I took them. And I turned it all over into hard money lending. So I was a lot less stressed, got successfully pregnant, which was what I was hoping for. Uh, my daughter's now 12, which I'm very excited about. And so that's when I went into hard money lending, all primarily in residential. So I had flipped, I had done some lot conversions, I had done a condo conversion, I had owned multi-units, I had owned single families. So I used all that knowledge I had in my background to be a hard money lender, to buy into syndicated deals, to be able to um, do some more flips in the future. Now I have a portfolio that's diversified between syndicated deals, hard money loans, stocks, and a few direct doors. So that's my portfolio today, which allows me to be a mom because that's the purpose of investing in real estate in my world. My why is to pick up my daughter from school. So, okay, so that all set. Let me tell you my first milestone. For my first milestone was I was 17 years old. I was graduating from high school. My mom had really poor breathing. Uh, she literally couldn't, it's San Gable Valley. It was the day of the three de third degree smog alerts, which you probably don't remember at all, being not a Californian and two, you know, being younger, I think a little younger than I am, maybe about, oh, two or three years younger than I am. Um, <laughs> but basically the third degree smog alerts and she couldn't stay in Southern California. So she's like, I don't know what to do. I need to move and I need to move now. She asked all three of his kids. I'm the youngest of three. She asked all three of his kids, would somebody take over the family house? I went, I'll do it. And so she literally gave me the family house. She changed the title on the house from her name to my name. And now I had a house full of a lot of furniture and I didn't know what to do with it. I had no idea. I was just trying to help my mom. I went out to my aunt and uncle. They bought it for me on an installment sale, which I had no idea what an installment sale was. But the point was I owned this real estate while I was 17, 18, 19. I bought a condo for my brother. I rented out section eight. I ended up buying a townhouse in Virginia. Like I ended up owning these things. And then eventually I got to the point, second milestone, which is I got to the point where it's like my portfolio had grown even though I wasn't using it with the intention of it growing. It grew because real estate grows in Southern California. It's a little like oranges grow really well in Southern California. Real estate grows really well in Southern California. Not always literally though. That is the lesson that has definitely taught me many times that real estate is not linear. And you need to be well prepared for the fact that linear, that real estate does not behave that way. So I've gained a million dollars in real estate. I've lost a million dollars in real estate. So don't for a moment think that this is all fun and games and it's going to grow like oranges on a tree every year. It's not. But then, so my first multi-unit. So I went, oh man, I'm literally going to take, I'm going to have a gain of almost a million dollars. I don't know about you, but to me, that was a lot of money. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. a lot of money. I don't want to be stupid about this, right? Oh my God, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a, uh, you know, 
not what do I put it all back in? Do I put it all in stocks? Do I buy a bunch of single families? Do I buy in state? Do I buy out of state? What do I do? And that's when I went, you know what? I think I'll buy a multi-unit. And I was going to a real estate investment meeting, kind of like my Phoebe meeting, the FIBI meeting that I host. It was called Real Estate Mastermind at the time. And I wasn't running it at that time, but I did later run that meeting with a friend of mine, Jeff, who is still my friend to this day, who's been an investor as long as I have. Um, so hopefully Jeff gets to listen to it because call out to Jeff. Um, but the point is, is I was at a meeting, I'm like, um, yeah, um, I think I want to invest in a multifamily and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> help. <laughs> right. So literally it was like, help me. And I, and that's exactly what I got. I got help. I had somebody all because many of the people there were investors. They had were either longer term investors than I am or just more knowledgeable. And so I had emails, like five emails in my inbox about multi-unit real estate agent, multi-unit lender, whether I needed a broker, whether I needed a traditional lender, whether I needed to invest in what part of the city. Um, some, and later I ended up getting emails having to do with, I needed, uh, when I needed to do a, when I decided to do a condo conversion, I got emails from the same group, like who, who is the city person I needed to be able to enroll in my building to invite her to come to my building and say, hey, I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna make condos out of this. And I need to get her approval. So I got her name from a reference from somebody at my real estate meeting. So for me, the milestones were really kind of just like literally growing up as an investor, just like you grew up as a student or you grew up like you learned to walk and then you learned to run, and then you learned to ride a bike, right? Like literally it was like that for me. The walking stage was very long and then the jumping to the multi-unit. Um, and I became a full-time investor at that time because part of the story is, <laughs> I was running a small business. My small business was renting out space. Surprise, surprise. My small business was renting out space to people who wanted to do like karate classes, sat songs, meditation retreats. Like this small, it was a small space. It was tiny, it was a tiny little space. And it was in Venice Beach here in Southern California, right? Cool. And its total rent per month was like $2,800. And it's like bills were maybe like another 200. And I was having a hard time making the whole $3,000 a month it needed to make while I was contemplating making a million dollar real estate deal. And I went, okay, Christina, explain this to me. Do you have a hard time with money or do you not have a hard time with money? Because you're losing money over here, but you're gaining money over there. And that's when I realized it wasn't my relationship with money. It was literally, I enjoy the process of real estate. I want to get up every day and I want to do it. I want to engage in it. My husband teases me. He's like, if somebody says real estate in the room, anytime we're somewhere, I'm like, oh, honey, I'll be right back. He's like, no, you're not going to be right back. I'll see you in a couple <laughs> hours. So it really was a calling to me to understand. So it, was just, it wasn't just a milestone in my investments as far as single family to multi-unit. It was a milestone in my understanding. What is it that worked for me, Christina? in my life, I wanted to be, and I owned becoming a professional real estate investor. And that was the beginning of that professional real estate investor commitment. Awesome, that's a great story. And there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but some question that, that I have is that, um, I mean, it sounds like you had a, maybe not the quickest start, you said you started walking and then before you were running. And um, I mean, I've spent the last two years or so reading books, as, as many books and listen to as many podcasts and going to conferences and meetups as, and learning about real estate as much as I possibly can. I feel like I have all this information. I probably have more 
information than some people have before they start, but it's like, it's all in there and I don't know what to do with it, where to start, um, you know, yeah, where to invest. And I want to know if you had uh, advice for that because I know that's something you help people with in your, in your class or your, um, your program. So yeah, if you give me a little advice about that and also tell me a little bit about how you, um, you know, work through the process with your clients. Sure. Cool. So, um, yes, I do this both. I'm, so I'm a real estate investment advisor. What does that mean? After 35 years of investing in real estate, I work with people on developing and crafting their portfolio. What do they want their real estate portfolio to look like? What should be in it? What should not be in it? How fast do we return do they want? How fast do they want to retire? How do they take what they have to maximize its returns for their goals? It's really, really important because people, a lot of people go, well, Christina, where's the best place to invest? And I'm like, hmm, not the best first question to start with. I, of course, don't say that to their face, but that's what I think in my head. Not the best first question to start with, because the question you want to start with is, what kind of real estate portfolio is for me? Because there's, I, I could say, hey, you know, the best place to invest is to be a flipper. What you need to do is quit your day job and quit being a student and completely set that all aside and find a contractor and find other people's money and go out there and spend, you know, $10, 10 hours a day on a flip site so that you can make sure it all gets done. That's the best thing to do. And you look at me and go, I'm not leaving college. <laughs> right? like, wait a minute. Hold on, sweetheart. You didn't ask me anything about what my life goals are or what my life purpose is or even what my talents are. Right. So there are all these things you can do in real estate and they all look and sound fantastic. Don't they? Don't they all sound great? 100%. Man, right? I could do turnkey. Oh, maybe I should do burr, right? purchase, right? buy a property, renovate, rent it, refinance it, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe I can house hack. I can live in one side and I can rent the other or I can Airbnb, the you know, a larger house. And like there are all these things one can do to enter into investing. And the question isn't whether they work. They all work if they're done carefully. What is it that works for you? So Ben, what's going to work for you? Let's talk about your talents. What do you bring to the table naturally? What are you getting your degree in? Um, I'm finance management and philosophy. So you got a, a wide range there. But um, I think good. naturally, I mean, I like to talk to people. I like to network. I definitely, that's something I like what really drew me to real estate is it's such a people business and I can meet people like you and, you know, talk to just all the conversations are, conversations are different every day. And like, I really enjoy that aspect. And I mean, obviously I'm willing to make a podcast to, you know, talk to even more people and, and, get my get my networking you know take it to the next level with that as well but uh yeah i mean i think i naturally have a like i'm naturally good at sales given my like interpersonal skills and interest in that so i think um that's something i really like and uh i mean i like the the numbers i like to underwrite i'm pretty strong at that given my finance background and that i've been um you know doing that with stocks ever since i was uh really young um since my bar mitzvah so um there's a couple of my skills Okay. So that's cool. So what you just told me is you're good at finance. So the numbers don't scare you, right? You're already getting a degree in it. So clearly you're getting educated in how to at least manipulate it, right? Mm -hmm. You're good at sales and that you like talking to people. There's also something else you told me, which you may or may not have claimed is that you work really hard. You have a podcast and you've been reading a book a week for two years. Do you know a lot of other people that do that? No, I do not actually. <laughs> You don't. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. So let's add that you work really hard. Like you get a project in front of you 
and you're going to like shake it down until it's done. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, like that's definitely. your level of determination. Right. So, okay, there you go. So you like projects, you like mastering projects, right? You have an understanding of finance. You're not scared of it. And really actually you're good at sales and good at working with people. So if I were to tell you that what you should do is pick up a hammer and start laying drywall, would that be inside of your talent? No. No. Not be. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, so not, before. no. So I'm not suggesting that you get into construction of any kind. Like I know a guy right now whose dad was a contractor. And so he's going to house hack and he's going to get his dad to come in who taught him how to do construction. He's mm -hmm. going to get his dad to come in and help him house hack. Right. And that makes sense because he's got a background in construction. But that's not the conversation that you want to have. The conversation you want to have is, okay, I want to be on sales. That's the background I want to be involved in is with sales. And I want to be able to be able to use my financial skills. So some of the things that you can do is that you can be a capital raiser. You could choose to do that, right? You can choose to house hack. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. And you want to be able to find a place to start. Right? So here's my other question. Do you want to own property in the future? Do you want your own portfolio? And if you do, what does it look like? Because we're talking about where you're starting. Now we're going to talk about where you want to go. Who do you want to be in real estate in like 20 years? Yeah, um, I've put some thought into this. It's not fully fleshed out, but um, I definitely, I mean, part of the reason I feel like it's hard to, get into something right now is because I'm moving around all the time. Like I, I, you know, I'm going to be in, I only have a year and a half left in New Orleans in school. Um, then I'll be, I'm going to New York this summer for an internship and I go to DC over other breaks to be with my family. So, I mean, it's like, it's hard, it's kind of hard to like pick a spot when I'm moving around all the time, which is, which is one thing, but I definitely want to own real estate and have my own portfolio. And um, I mean, I spent a lot of time in multifamily. I was an analyst for the last um, uh, eight months, uh, underwriting deals and, and, you know, uh, looking like, yeah, looking for deals and, and doing acquisitions for a developer. And, um, yeah, that's been like a good and exciting process. And it's been cool to network with brokers and, and whoever, but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I kind of see myself back in DC in the future, uh, when I have a family eventually. And I, I think I don't really necessarily like the DC proper. It's very, there's a lot of bureaucracy and it's kind of hard to acquire things in dc proper but um northern virginia is where amazon is moving i think there's a lot of growth there so i do really like northern virginia and i think there's um some you know residual plays that come off the amazon effect uh so i mean that's that's a place where i'm thinking but um yeah i guess in, in at least i think by 27 i want to have ten thousand dollars of cash flow coming in a month i think that that gives me the um the passive income that will allow me to pursue the things I want in life. Like, you know, I'll be able to be able to financially support a family, at least, you know, basic while I have a, an, another job on the side, or if I'm, you know, being capital raiser or, or not, or just already on my entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey, then, then I'll, I'll have time for that too. With, and, you know, passive income will definitely help. So I guess that's kind of what I've thought about so far. Okay. So when you think about owning your real estate portfolio, are you a full-time real estate investor or are you earning money passively so that it frees you up to be able to do something else? Um, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm just asking, it's the vision in your head. It may or may not be who you become, but it's the vision in your head right now. That's all I'm asking. 
Yeah, I think by 35, I want to be able to not do anything for a month and just have passive cash flow. And like, if people need to call me because I'm working on a deal or, you know, someone finds a deal that I could work on, like I can take the phone from the beach and like, I won't feel like I'm working because like, I just love real estate and I want to invest in real estate. And like, that's not work. That's like pleasure. That's like just a hobby. Like I'm creating something and building something. And, you know, so I, another image I really see, I forgot to mention is that like, I really want to add value. And I think that real estate is the best way to add value to the world. So I'm like really interested in either doing value add multifamily or um, doing development down the line, even though I don't have no idea how to do that yet, because I want to like create a product that like, you know, people really value the space. Like they want to be in this place that I created and like, you know, makes them happy. And like the simple thing is like, look, I have an Amazon locker. Like that's convenient. Like I want to pay attention to what people really want. I think it'd be cool to build housing for young millennials and Gen Z who are getting into the workforce um, and, you know, give them what they want. Cause like, I can imagine what that would be. Okay, cool. So you've just told me what you've told me is where you're starting now. What's the talents you've told me where you see yourself in the future and where your passion is, mm -hmm. because that's important. If we're not doing something that we're passionate about, it gets very boring and very tough, very quickly, right? We yeah. don't want to do it anymore. Right? So, why not start now with training yourself where you think you want to go there? Because if I, I had asked the question, do you want to be a passive investor and you have another job? Or do you see real estate being your job and you jumped off into development? Right? Yeah. So therefore, why not start now with where you want to go there? So you've already gotten yourself trained on acquisitions and multi-units. Awesome. You already said you like Washington, D.C., maybe Northern Virginia. Right. So you can already start defining that you can be an expert in your Northern Virginia area. You might be an expert in multiples. Like I've said, I've invested in multiple places across the United States. Right. So you don't have to be just one. You could start investing right where you are. There's no reason to not own something right where you are and put a property management company in place because managing a development crew and managing a property manager aren't that far away from each other because you're managing projects. Remember I talked about managing projects? Right. That you're somebody who's good at managing project, projects and creating mastery in that, right? So what you're telling me is, is that you can use the talents you have now to start creating a portfolio, even if it's a single family that you're renting with a property management company that's in Northern Virginia, which will teach you the Northern Virginia real estate which will teach you how to manage a manager like a property manager, which will allow you to apply your skill set for cash flow and continue to look for what could I possibly do on the front of multi units and align with developers. Well, so, yeah, I mean, you simplified a lot that it's, I mean, it sounds pretty awesome and kind of, I really, I mean, that sounds perfect. But I mean, like, do you think it's, uh, it's difficult or there's any barriers to, uh, you know, doing that while I'm in New Orleans or is that just a, a mental block? That's just a mental block, bud. That's <laughs> just yeah. a mental block. There's, see, here's the, here's the thing, for good or for bad. I, as a real estate investor, when I claimed becoming a professional investor, when I went traveling, I researched every city I traveled in on the area of real estate because any city was a potential place to invest. Any neighborhood that would bring me cash flow was a possibility, which is how I ended up in Northern Virginia and how I ended up in Arlington, Texas, and how I ended up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and how I ended up in Kauai, right? Because you can, I was loved Kauai. I still go as many summers as I can, right? So, so every time I go, because I'm training myself as a professional investor, I'm researching every time I go somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I just, as, a, as a real estate 
enthusiast. I, I'm excited and interested in every place I go. And it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking around for opportunities. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Like, oh, look, there's this who's developing here and they're also developing here and like all that stuff. I kind of geek out on that. Definitely. Yeah, so. It's perfect because when you go to purchase, you can use that geeking out on that to go, well, I want to buy something that's maybe in the stream of regentrification, mm-hmm. right? Or new development. It's like, why not take on the mindset now of who you're going to be there and train yourself by getting real world experience now by starting with, uh, instead of like just a J-O-B, have an investment. Like right. go for it, buy something, right? Get a, get a loan if you can get a cheap loan. Get some money from your family if you can. Get, steal some money from your stock account. Buy something that's small, that's going to, put you through the freaking ringer. It's going to teach you really quickly how to invest in real estate. It's going to teach you how to manage managers from a distance, right? But it gets you real world experience and allows you to start the analysis and the training process now for who you want to be over there. But you, so you can house hack, that works because it also forces you to purchase, right? But I wouldn't necessarily become a wholesaler, right? Like people are like, oh, when you're new to real estate, you should be a wholesaler. No, actually, I'm not a believer of that at all. Um, Wholesaling is a sales job. It's a sales job that happens to sell real estate to people who are looking for real estate. It's a networking job. You happen to be selling an asset called real estate instead of selling tennis shoes or cell phones. You're an expert in a particular asset, but you're still really just a networker and developing a network. You're creating a CRM system, and that's what you become an expert in right? Is managing that process. That doesn't help you get to being a developer, right? Wholesaling isn't going to get you there. Purchasing will get you there. Getting a couple of friends who want to house hack with you will get you there. Developing a new city, right? Being able to buy in more than one city. I know that's a really weird concept, but, and maybe I'm challenging you too far, but you know, like you could buy something where you are in a year and a half, you can choose to sell it. Mm-hmm. You can choose to keep it. So my neighbors over here, like my stories, right? I tell stories, right? My neighbors over here are the perfect example of the 10 plus one. They're an Italian couple. They came here as immigrants. They had two girls during the lifetime here. They bought the first house that they lived in. They slowly but surely kind of paid it part of it down, but then they needed a bigger house because they had a kid. So they kept it and they rented it out and they bought a slightly larger house and they kept that house and they rented it out and then they bought a duplex. And then they kept both sides of the duplex when he got a better job and they bought another. And so by the time this guy retired, even though he had a job all the way through and she stayed home with the kids, they had 10 doors in Pasadena free and clear. Wow. Yeah. They retired. Were they ever professional real estate investors? No, they were never professional real estate investors ever. But he still would, when he was an older man, he would walk door to door to his 10 houses and collect his rents every month, right? So it's about developing now the dream you want there. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good perspective. And like, I'm already seeing how I'm gonna put that into effect like every day. Like that's just that kind of advice, you know, repeatable and like, constantly growing upon it and like right now i just feel like i'm out there like cherry pick or not cherry picking i'm just like opening my mind up to like every single possibility and i'm just like increasingly confusing myself but like i'm yes. liking it because i'm learning and like i'm knowing about all these different things but like at the same time it's like i have this weird cognitive dissonance because i'm like i'm a real estate investor i haven't invested in any real estate yet and um i've been like 
eager and like I, I just want my money in real estate because I want that experience and like you know I want to participate and grow and learn just like you're saying but I've you know I've kind of let myself dist- be distracted by all these amazing opportunities out there and I haven't really thought about my specific path I was like all right I'll just you know keep learning and absorbing and um but yeah I mean like I'm definitely gonna have to you know like I'm a I mean you, you've already given me a really good start but I definitely want to no, know that down. Right. Yeah. All I've done is draw a line. It's like, I want to get, it's like somebody says, I want to go from LA to San Francisco. How do I do it? And it's like, well, what, what, what vehicle are you going to use? Okay. Cause here's the coordinates of LA. Here's the coordinates of San Francisco. Now pick your vehicle and go. Right. Cause you're going to be able to fill up the car along the way. You're going to be able to buy food at the gas station along the way. If you, you know, you can buy your, you can buy your chicken at, at Whole Foods or you can buy your ding dongs from the 7-Eleven. I don't care. Do it however you want. Right. But just like get in the car and you can start driving because that's the best advice I can give you is start driving because that's where you will gain the most experience. Now that I've given you a basic, like there's your general direction, dude, go there. And it'll either either will land. I always call it you will either land on the moon or you at least will land in the stars. But either way, you'll land a lot further than where you are now. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm I, I know I have the motivation, but I mean. I think it's, I'm lacking the clarity to really fully commit to that first step, which I mean, yeah, like house hacking has been something I've been learning about and playing around with in my head for a while. And like, I kind of just want to go start driving for dollars around Tulane and see where the opportunities are. So um, yeah. I'm sure someone listening to this yeah. will, will want to join me. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And use your network, right? The two things you need to be successful in real estate is your network and your knowledge. It's not your money. Mm-hmm. It's your network and your knowledge. The thing that's going to serve you over and over and over is your network and your knowledge. And what makes you successful at the end of the day is your network and your knowledge. If you had a million dollars and you have no knowledge in real estate, you buy something in a depleting city that actually had in in a negative downturn because you never did your research and you never had any knowledge and therefore it's going down because I've owned properties that have gone down at $100,000 a chunk, Right. What saves you is not the $100,000 chunks that it's going down by. It's the knowledge to be able to say, I need to get my freaking backside out of this thing. And I need to get my team members involved to help me sell it at a best price, because that's what ultimately saves you. It's what ultimately builds you, your network and your knowledge. The money's just a tool. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And sometimes I don't know if this is a, a mental block type thing or what, but like I've had a lot of trepidation in terms of investing because like, I, I, I take a lot of, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty risk averse. And I think that being starting out, I don't want to take unnecessary risks. And I feel like we're in a, in maybe we're in an inflationary environment where there's a lot of like, you know, unsustainable increasing in, in pricing in a lot of markets. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to take my family's money and put it into something that I'm not confident will, you know, have the returns that I project. I know I'll have a conservative estimate and conservative underwriting and like maybe I won't even be able to acquire that price because um you know people are willing to pay more so some of it I feel like I don't know if it's a mental block or if I'm just like I'm, I'm scared but I mean do you have an outlook on the market in general in terms of like you know when the timing because I know like you seem to have very fortunate timing which is great but um I mean <laughs> I've had fortunate and unfortunate timing right at both and I, I just been, made the start. It seemed pretty, it seemed no, like it worked out. It right. was, was fortunate when I started because um, I gained a million dollars and I've lost a million dollars. So I've right. had unfortunate yeah. timing too. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But just saying, like, I don't want to, I don't want real estate to be all roses, right? It's not. Yeah. Um, 
So, so here's, let me give you a very quick, cause economics is a hobby of mine and it is right. a hobby. I am not, I have a bachelor's in business and marketing. I have a teacher's credential and a master's in psychology. I do not have any background other than my macro and microeconomics courses and statistics courses in my business degree. I don't. So there's my disclaimer, but here's the thing I've noticed. What I've noticed is that last out of the four, four out of the last five times that there has been an increase in interest rates, home prices have continued to increase. The reason behind that, and you can find this in Forbes if you look up the information, the reason why it continues to increase is because the instigator behind both of those are the same, which is inflationary forces. Okay, that's one. Two, real estate is a commodity. That's what it does. It increases with inflationary forces because it is a commodity. People want to say, hey, wait a minute, interest rates are going up, so real estate's going to go down. Well, I just went back to my previous point. Four out of the last five, real estate goes up because it is a commodity being forced by inflationary factors. That's two. Three, we're shorting housing, as far as I can tell right now, and maybe my numbers aren't exactly correct, about 6.8 million units in residential across the United States. We're anticipating another, I think, 1.7 formings of household during the 2022-2023 year, 2022 year. That's going to make us potentially seven plus million units behind. And we're building about 300,000 because of all the supplies disruptions, as well as at least here in Southern California, the unreasonableness of some of the permitting and some of the requirements for building. So when you're talking residential, single family or multi-unit, I'm seeing at least two different inflationary pressures behind it. One is just sheer demand. We don't have enough, right? The other is that we're, it isn't a commodity that will inflate with inflationary factors. Will it continue to go up wildly? No, it will not. But it will not go down wildly. Because here's another statistic. Five out of five times, when the Fed starts to increase the interest rates within 18 months to two years, there is a recession. A legal, the definition of a recession is two quarters of negative GDP. Right. So there is going to be a recession. Let's not be confused on this. But I also personally believe that with the amount of inflation we're seeing, because it's not just inflation in commodities having to do with supply disruptions, it is now an inflation in wages and it is an inflation in cost of production, which means it's moved deeper than just a temporary supply distribution problem. It's now turned into greater rents, greater wages and greater costs. I think that inflation is going to stay with us. So I think we're looking more at a stagflation recession versus a true depreciating the recession in asset prices. So therefore, my personal opinion, and I could be totally full of it, but my personal opinion is that there's not actually that much risk in buying real estate right now, because I think we're going to continue to see pressures in real estate, pressures in the secondary and tertiary markets having to do with COVID and people working remotely, pressures in having to be able to do inflation and real estate being a commodity. I think it's going to go flat and maybe slightly negative. And in major cities like New Orleans, I don't think you're going to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, that's really convincing. And I mean, like a, a logical <laughs> argument. And I mean, that was the general overall trend of or like sentiment at, at the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference, where I mean, <laughs> most of the people were giving statistics and, you know, like corroborating that that perspective, which boosted my confidence in you know the the bull the bull outlook on multifamily which is something i'm passionate about so um that was encouraging and definitely uh made me you know less in the analysis paralysis fear and more in like okay like like you know th this makes sense like 
I believe in the supply demand, like being the ultimate drivers in economics and like, like it is you know, nothing. Yeah. And it, yeah, it is. It's like supply demand to, to cross. And then you get the, the, the price, which is the, the middle of the meeting and it, it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, cool. That's, that's, uh, that's some good advice. And I guess uh, before we jump into the lightning round, I wanted to, um, ask if you had any advice for people who are just starting up um, besides all the great stuff we already talked about and if there's any mistakes that arise. And, um, I know when we were at the, the conference, uh, you're on a panel, ended up talking a lot about tax and, um, or planning for the future. And, um, I was like, I'm 20, uh, what do I do? And you said, start a living trust. So, um, you mentioned that too. Okay. So, um, mistakes for new investors is different from the living trust. So the panel I was moderating at the IIREC, Intelligent Real Estate Investors Conference. I have to think about it when I say it, IIREC, uh, which was awesome. And I love it because it's almost all panels. So you have this incredible depth of knowledge up on the stage and you get to see multiple people. So you both get educated and you get to increase your network profoundly. So I love that model because those are the two things I care about, getting educated. Did I mention getting educated and having a strong <laughs> network? Did I mention that? Can I mention it again? Um, <laughs> But the reason why that was the question was because the panel was the multi-generational panel. Like, so it was specifically having to do with tax and estate planning and tax codes and being able to transfer wealth forward or being able to develop wealth within your own family and being able to keep it and maybe being able to teach your children how to do wealth management, which it sounds like your parents have spent a little bit of time with you on because you said ever since your bar, bar mitzvah, you had investments. My daughter's 12. She's going to get her first checking account. So same thing, right? Um, that, that happens to be why that was the case. But it, a living trust is something that I think is incredibly useful for people, especially when you start getting over the probate minimum, which is 150,000, right? So if you've got anything that's close to that, then you just get a living trust. And there's no reason to not get a living trust in my world because you pay, you can, as you discovered, you can do it for free. Rocketlawyer.com, by the way, is like 50 bucks. So it's near free. Um, you can create it very quickly and very easily. And it allows you to put every asset that you own inside that living trust. And then when you create an LLC, by the way, what owns your LLC is the living trust, right? So it's not like I create an LLC and that takes it out of the living trust. That's not the case. The living, even the LLC is inside the living trust. So that's how that happens to me, but that, was, that generally isn't for newer investors. The mistakes I see for newer investors are things like, oh my God, I'm so excited about this market. It's going to do nothing but go up. And have you done your research? <laughs> do you understand that it's cyclical? Every market is cyclical. Oh, you know what? People say, I can't, I, you can't lose buying in the LA market. Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, I lost buying in the LA market. Yes, you can. And so again, it's going back to education. It's the over-enthusiasm versus being able to be excited and grounding yourself either in your mentors or in your numbers. That is the thing that ultimately, at the end of the day, your numbers are the winner in the pure experience of the success of the financial success of a real estate project right, is your numbers. So the mistakes would be being over-enthusiastic, not being educated enough about what you want to do, waiting too long to do what you want to do would be the opposite end, right? I know some people who are like 35 or 40 and like, oh, I've been wanting to invest in real estate for 15 years. Like, well, then go buy a property. <laughs> Let me help you go buy a property. Let's have a couple conversations so you can see that it's possible. Um, but really it's the analysis, analysis paralysis 
-hmm. or the over enthusiasm and not enough. You just want to walk down the middle and make sure you have both. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Cause when you're saying, you know, the, the over enthusiasm is like, yeah, I'm very enthusiastic, but I keep killing all my opportunities because I'm like, you know, don't want to take unnecessary risks. And I'm like, you know, I, I obviously really trust the numbers and that's one of my, my skills. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm definitely on the other side. Like I know I have analysis paralysis. So, um, I mean, yeah, like you gave me some good advice for getting over that. And, uh, that's something I'm working on. So great. So, um, let's go in the lightning round because I've got some, some more good questions there. Um, so first, what superpower would you want if you could choose any? Wisdom. Awesome. I would, I would choose wisdom every day of the week. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be about financial success. It wouldn't be about winning over somebody else. It wouldn't even be about, um, creating a brilliant product. It would be the wisdom. It would be the wisdom to be able to be authentic and transparent and kind and be successful, be financially successful, be personally successful, be a good mother. It'd be the wisdom. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's great. Um, so what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you most in your, your journey? Okay. Everybody loves Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. That's that said. Yeah. yeah that, that said, we can start with that one. There's the, the <laughs> book that is a little known book, but is still for sale. At least I think reprints are, is the unofficial guide to real estate investing. It was the book that my first mentor, she read. It was by one of the authors is a guy named Marty Stone. Now Marty Stone still is involved with Buckingham Investments, which is his real estate agency. And so I always find it so funny when I run into Marty, which isn't very often, by the way, I don't run into him very often, but anybody from Buckingham, I'm like, oh, that's where I started. That was my first real estate book I cut my teeth on was, was the unofficial guide to real estate investing. Um, so it's a small book, but it has some basic numbers in it, just real basic, like, well, what numbers do you want on a multi-unit? What does it mean to invest in a cyclical market? You know, like it just, it's just some basic stuff. So it's Great. a good, that's, good beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm starting a I'm starting a website, which is my, my book recommendation list. So, um, you know, how do I read a book a week? It's have a podcast a week where I get a, I get a recommendation a week. So, um, yeah. awesome. And so what motivates you to continue every day? Oh, that's really easy for me. Um, so everybody knows, and I will continue to claim it. It's being a mom. Mm -hmm. I waited a really long time to be a mom. I waited until I was financially free so that I knew that when I chose to be a mom, I would be able to take my daughter's school. I'd be able to pick her up from school. I'd be able to hire a babysitter for her. And I would be able to provide for her a, a life where she knew her mother was engaged with her. Um, I, I, I have a very diverse background to say the least, but my mom was disowned as a 17 year old. And so when she raised us as kids, it was her money and her job. And she was an entrepreneur. She worked out of the house. So she worked. She worked from like eight o'clock in the morning until like eight or nine or 10 o'clock at night. And if I wanted to find my mom, she was in her office. And sometimes my mom wouldn't pick me up from school for two or three hours because she was in a meeting and she wasn't going to leave the meeting because it meant cash flow for us and the capacity to pay the mortgage and keep a roof over our head and pay for food. And so I understand why my mom did it. I understand how that had to be the case, but I didn't want to do that to my kid. So my why, the purpose of my real estate investing, my freedom is picking up my daughter from school. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I guess I just feel like I'm a little young to start thinking like that, but that's definitely something I imagine in my future. Um, okay. you know, yeah, having that passive income so I can yeah, have the flexibility to, to be there and for my family. Like, 
whoever, whoever is my family at any point. Whoever that is, right, exactly. Well, notice I knew that I wanted to have a kid. And so it was, it happened to be a motivator for me even before my daughter was born. Now my daughter happens to be really cool and I'm really mm -hmm. lucky because I've invested a lot of time and thought into having a kid. And I happen to have a really great kid because she could have not been a great kid. <laughs> she could have, everybody has their own personality. Have you noticed? Everybody, <laughs> everybody's their own human being. Um, but no, it makes it really easy and very satisfying to be able to do what I want to do. Awesome. And just a um, quick thing. Rich Dad Poor Dad for Teens is like an interactive version of Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is you probably would I, I recommend it. I just bought it for my mom's boyfriend's son who's eleven or who just or twelve who just had his bar mitzvah, and so I wanted to get him thinking early too. Perfect. Cool. I will so, get it. Yeah. So lastly, what uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Uh, education and networking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, it's, it, it really is. Um, it all starts with a commitment for financial leadership. That's what I teach. That's what I encourage. That's what I mentor in my mentees. That's what I do in my real estate consulting practice is financial leadership. That is your first commitment. I told you, told you my milestone story back at the beginning when I chose to be a professional real estate investor because I was choosing my financial leadership in my world. I wasn't gonna wait for an excuse for somebody else to say, hey, it's okay with me if you earn enough money. No, I'm gonna earn enough money. I'm gonna work it out. I'm gonna apply my, I'm gonna be determined and I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna apply myself and I can gain financial leadership having nothing to do with the money I'm starting with, having to do with the commitment that I choose to have financial choices in my life. And I'm not gonna let somebody else define it. I'm not gonna let my credit card define it. And I'm not gonna let my house payment define it. I'm not gonna let that Starbucks coffee take away my financial freedom. And I'm not gonna be afraid to be joyful. So financial freedom is first, then comes education and networking. Great, that's a, that's a great answer. And then lastly, since I put you on the spot with the lightning round, I wanna give you a chance for revenge. So you can ask me anything you'd wanna know about me. Ben, when are you going to buy your first property? By what month and day? And I want you to commit to it. Oh, my <laughs> action, baby. That's wow. what's going to get you investing is action. What's your commitment, bud? That, that really, I, I will do it. Like, I'll have to do it if I do it. Yeah, you'll have to do it. Like, you actually yeah, have to do Yeah, this one to have the analysis paralysis. Like, when, what's reasonable? Like, when can I do this? But, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I am Pick one. It does it, pick one. It's okay. Take a moment, breathe, and find something you're willing to commit to. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I don't want to have to alter it, so I don't know what's even possible. But um, I mean, do I want to give myself room, or do I want to make it like a race against the clock? Right. So, do you um, want to make something you can commit to? And if it's too much room, I'll let you know. Um, I don't know. I think like we said this year. Is that is that okay. too much room? By the end of 2022. Yeah. That's about yeah. right. I think there's plenty I of room. There's plenty of room. It's plenty of room for you to go over your analysis paralysis. It's plenty of room for you to decide a market you're going to become knowledgeable about. It's plenty of room for you to get out there. So the process is this. You decide you're on your market, right? You do your research. You look at at least 100 properties in the area that you think you want to purchase. You can look at them online. So you don't need to go in person. You run the numbers because you know how to run numbers. You know how to run numbers. Yeah, yeah. On a hundred of them, you get a sense for what the market's willing to offer you and if it's going to work or not. And if that market's not going to work, then pick a different market. 
until you find what you want, which I think is going to be cash flow or appreciation. Yep, cash flow. Cash flow. Till you find a cash flow market. There are 250 plus cash flow markets, especially in secondary and tertiary suburbs around my major cities. No excuse, dude. It just has to do with research, right? Then you own a neighborhood because now you've done 100 houses in that neighborhood. That's when you'll be ready to purchase. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you can't have analysis process when you've already done all the analysis. You know? You're already done the analysis. You're like, no, that's the, because what you gain is a almost instinctual knowledge about how that neighborhood behaves. And you literally look at a house online, you go, there it is. That's the right price point because yeah. I know what it'll rent for. I know a, a general understanding of price per square foot. This is deferred maintenance. It should sell for this. This is not deferred maintenance. This is rehabbed. It should sell for this. What's going to be my rent? Do I have my 1% and, or I close to my 1%, maybe it's a 0.8. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly what I want to have. Cause I, the, the CEO of the company that I've been working for, like has that with like, a couple of neighborhoods in DC that we look at. And it's like, that's really cool. Like he, we, like, I did all this, all this numbers and he was like, uh, this is, this is the price per square foot. And I'm like, cool. Let's submit to that. <laughs> and let's submit I, that. Like, exactly. So you submit a hundred offers and you get a property. Yeah. Well, okay. 2022. Cool. Year. I mean, I have to move it up, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to. Yeah, I wanted to give myself some room to an analysis and analyze exactly my my date a little bit more. But great. I mean, this has been one of the most incredible value or most incredibly valuable interviews I've ever had. So thank you very much, Christina. I mean, if anyone else wants to learn more about you and and uh, you know, yeah, see where or where can they check you out or find find you on the internet or yeah. ChristinaSuter.com. So Christina spelled traditionally C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A and then Suter, S-U-T-E-R.com. Awesome. You can also, you can also call me or you can text me 310-463-5942. That's my cell phone number. You're welcome to reach out to me directly. 310-463-5942. Well, awesome. That's a bold one that I've heard some people do and I'm not quite ready to do, but I, I mean, I- You I, reached I, I, out to me? All you did was ask me a question and then you reached out to me on LinkedIn. So clearly you're bold enough to do that. Nobody else who was standing in the audience was like, hey, Christina, I, I talked to you for like 30 seconds. Let's have a conversation. Right. I mean, that's true. I, I, I know people are there. People out here want to help. And like a lot of people have the mental barrier saying like, oh, like, who am I? I'm just a college kid. So why, why would they want to talk to me? But like, I think I've realized that a lot of people like to talk to me because it's like, oh, wow, like. They see themselves. They're like, wow, I wish I was 20 and doing this and starting this. And it's like, so yeah, everyone, don't be afraid to reach out to people, uh, especially Christina, because <laughs> you got to sell now. But awesome. Well, Christina, thank you very much. And everyone listening, thank you super, or thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope to, I hope this helps you reach your next milestone in real estate. And until um, next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a like and review or leave a comment so we can get the message out to more people and hopefully help them as well. Thanks for joining us and keep making milestones.